everyone, welcome to the Blue Sky Podcast, Two Pints of Lager and the Spreadsheet. I'm Dave Gibson, I'm here with my co-founder, John Dudgeon. Today, our special guest is Herb Kim, wearer of many hats and founder and CEO of Thinking Digital. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about why a growth mindset is so important to building a team and a business. Why telling a story is so powerful in influencing others. And what TED really stands for. So Herb, uh, welcome. Um, and Herb, it's on your CV, um, founder and CEO of Thinking Digital. You're a creator of uh, TEDx, much across the north of England. Um, the current visiting professor of innovation um, at Newcastle University, um, thought leader, researcher, editor, innovator. Um, you don't let much moth gather, do you? <laughs> so I should add that I'm former now. Uh visiting professor of innovation enterprise in Newcastle University. This is cool. But yeah, I mean, I, I did it for a year and it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a gig you get for a year, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 A very entertaining year as well. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah what's uh, what's an average day look like in, in, in the world of Herb Kim? Um, I mean, it's frustratingly inconsistent. Um, so <laughs> it's uh, I'm, I'm really a kind of creature of habit and um and, and I'm, i actually realize now that I, I like routines but um the day varies a lot i think the i think the core of what i do is around you know um trying to research and, and recruit people to it's, it's basically a year-round process now looking for people to come and speak to our events and then i guess what's taking up a lot more time is working with them on their actual talks so that you know we, that that their time on stage can can bring our audience but of course also for them uh, the, i mean having done this now for basically 15 years um we've it's i'm glad to be able to say that i learned some things along the way <laughs> and can now offer that advice back to even well-seasoned um you know speakers and uh and yeah, and that's actually been quite, um, that's been for me the last few years, I guess. That's been where my learning has been, is in, in actually helping people, you know, um, identify and deliver a talk that 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 has traction. That's, that's cool. Um, so this won't be the first, uh, or wouldn't be the first podcast to pick up Thinking Digital. So but, but let's do that again. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what, what the event is all about? kind of speakers you get and, and the kind of audience that you get as well yeah sure so i mean it's the the you know the the rough story began uh in in 2005 actually wow. <laughs> and we um and 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 let's just say that I, we, I was running a company back then called codeworks which is a not-for-profit economic development company looking to promote the growth of the digital slash tech industries of northeast england when we were being funded by One Northeast, the old regional development agency of this area. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, the old days. And basically we got told in no uncertain terms we weren't doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were actually almost shut down. We, we managed to, to earn a stay of execution. Um, but it was a catalyst for us to find some way we thought we were doing a great job we'd been running for three years by then and you know we 
you know, I think uh, like a lot of government departments today, we were hitting all of our targets. You know, we were certainly contractually, um, 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 you know, killing it, I guess, or certainly doing everything we've been asked to do. But as you know, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's the curse of everyone, of, especially in public sector, of hitting all your metrics and hitting all your, your stated objectives. And yet people still feeling like there's, not, there's something missing here. There's still, there's still something we don't understand entirely why you exist. And so, yeah. And so I, I went for a search for something big that, that we felt could a benefit the region that could really help put the Northeast scene on the, on the map, not just in the North or in the Northeast, but, you know, on a, on a more international basis um, that could actually be sustainable as an, as a, as an activity that didn't require long-term public sector intervention. And then, and, and, and through that process, I discovered something called TED and I went, I got to go to the TED conference in 2006 and, you know, it was a life-changing sort of experience for me. And I came back and, my first idea was, you know, let's, we jokingly said, we need to do Jordy Ted. Um, but there was no, there was no TEDx program at the time. And so, and, and, you know, they weren't, they weren't licensing out their name. And so we created Thinking Digital and um, it was launched in 2007. The first conference was in 2008. Uh, the first conference was nearly destroyed the company because <laughs> it turned out it was a hell of a lot harder to do something like that than we, realize and and that's mostly in building an audience and because you know we could we could i mean we could try to make comparisons to being well we're like ted but the problem was that that there were no ted talks at the time right and so you know ted was still a boutique brand primarily amongst sort of silicon valley elites right and so but it took a couple years but by 2010 people understood what it was about and the people who the relatively small number of people who came um, were were bigging it up in a big way and, and, and people were willing to invest in, in their time and their money to come in then. Yeah. And then, you know, um, from there we started getting I mean, we were listed in the top. I think it was in 2011. We were the top 100 stories for uh, the Guardian newspaper, the media Guardian uh, newspaper, yeah. then the top 100 for Wired magazine UK. Um, we were featured in BuzzFeed as it's like unsung Geordie heroes or something like that, and, <laughs> you know, and, and so we were in, we were getting to the Metro, the Guardian, which I meant with another part of the Guardian. And so, um, so yeah, so, you know, people were taking notice. Um, I think part of the appeal was, you know, having an unusual event like Thinking Digital happening, frankly, in the Northeast, which I guess for especially for for London folks wasn't an area where they expected to see an event like this happen um it it caught their attention and so yeah and then and I guess another significant thing happened where the original company that housed thinking digital codeworks um as you you may remember the RDA effectively shut down in 2012 I'm I think it ceased operations somewhere around that and so I was faced with a choice and I ended up um, selling my house and I used the proceeds to buy Thinking Digital from my old company um, and enter in this world of entrepreneurship I'd heard so much about and um, and see if it could survive on its own and and fortunately yeah I mean it's you know it's not always been easy but you know we've, we've, we're we're now almost exactly 10 years old as an ind independent company and uh, and yeah, yeah I mean that yeah. 
that's that's a massive risk to 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 do something like that, and that that in itself is showing a true entrepreneurial um, spirit. Um, and I, I guess there was you know a lot more than fortune involved. There was would have been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears uh, from your side. So how did you go about yeah. building building that? Well, I think the first test would be was you know as you know it's um, sometimes when the withdrawal. I mean, like. Um, you know, taking something independent like that, you know, sometimes people are like, well, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe we should give it a year or two to see if it really is still good without, you know, one or two behind it and all that jazz. But, you know, I think the important thing was that the community, to be honest, like, most people didn't even take any notes. <laughs> it was just like thinking digital next year, 2012, 2013, so on and so forth. And I mean, I guess the important thing is we were able to keep up the quality um, whilst obviously having to be a lot more aggressive about the cost control side of things, you know, where we didn't have a, um, well, it was literally, I was literally playing with house money at that point, right? You know, and so, um, so yeah, and you know, there was just, there was a lot of goodwill to both, you know, to, for people to continue to sponsor, to continue to attend, um, to work with us, to you know, do things as cheaply as possible while still keeping the quality high. And, and we were able to make that transition um, successfully. Yeah. We, we were talking earlier, Herbin, I, I was, I think the first time I went to Thinking Digital was probably 2010. And mm. at the time I'd spent most of my career attending various tax and accounting conferences. That was uh, that was my benchmark, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, I learned a lot, but I wouldn't say they were the most exciting sort of seven or eight hours of my life. Um, mm. And then I, I walked out of Thinking Digital after day one and it was uh, it was a blink of blink of an eye it's almost like when you see a good movie and you've sat there three hours and I'd kind of come out of it seven or eight hours later and it was uh yeah it, it was life change probably similar situation to when you went to TED I had that with think, thinking digital it, it, it really did um it's uh, very so kind I'm obviously glad to hear it yeah thank uh, you I've, I've often wondered, though, because I guess in 2005, digital was, you know, probably a, a lot different to it is now, isn't it? So mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I, I generally come out of it having thought a lot about a lot of stuff that isn't necessarily digitally related yeah. as well. Yeah. Is, is that is that well, is that intentional or it's well, it, it was it was accidental because um, we like. What we didn't realize is that even though the conference, I mean, you know, TED stands for Technology Entertainment Design, but there's a hell of a lot. I think really what it is is that the this format of getting thought leaders and, you know, accomplished doers and, and whatnot, you know, from a variety of fields, being able to speak and get their point across quickly is that it's a catalyst for each of us. And we don't think just, I mean, so if you, you know, some of the talks will be on experimental physics, right? And while it may be very interesting and very, you know, well presented, you know, we're probably not going to change our views that much on on the experimental <laughs> physics, right? You know, and we don't, you know, we're not going to like oh invest in like a whole series of books and get a PhD in experimental physics. What what we t what we tend to find is that these talks put people in, I think, what you might call like an innovation or growth mindset. Yeah. where you start to think about 
not just experimental physics or about some new digital technology or about a sustainable, you know, uh, <laughs> airplane engine or whatever it is that we're presenting on. It does provoke you to think a lot about how you are doing things in your own life, whether that be in business or personal, um, and motivates you. It's motivating. I think it's also motivating to hear people who are clearly bright, you know, hardworking people sort of thing. But they're not. It's not like we get Bill Gates and you know, Steve Jobs and he rest in peace. And and you know, like people that are such gods that they're like, well. You know, how is this going to really apply to me? Because I mean, I'm not, I'm never going to be a billionaire. I know, you know, I'm all this. I mean, of course, you know, if Bill Gates is listening and wants to come and speak at our conference, <laughs> he's, he's always welcome. But um, yeah, and I think um, it's, I think, I think the other thing it does is, in addition to putting you into this kind of innovation mindset, I think another thing it does is that it kind of reconnects you with what good looks like or what great looks like, and it kind of, and and it kind of is, I think, inspiration for people to kind of say, no, like. Let's we can do better on X, Y, or Z, you know, and so I think it does those two things, you know, because when you reset what the what because the reality is, you know, is like when you kind of get into maybe not what but just a routine, you're oftentimes just it's hard enough to just keep doing what you're doing as you're doing it, and it's as long as it's good enough, no one's complaining too much. It's easy to just say, well, let's leave well enough alone, and. So I think having a reminder of what the outer marker looks like, you know, what the what what one or two standard deviations away from the norm looks like, that's even if it's in physics, it, it, you then reapply that to your own thing. And then the other thing, as I mentioned before, is that it puts you into this this growth or innovative mindset that you relook at a lot of things. I can uh, confirm it does that. Having seen the state, John comes back. In from <laughs> from the sessions, I'm going like John. Have you been on drugs or something? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you just float, floated on air there. Um, yeah. Kerb, you, you, you've obviously had many, uh, you know, very capable and, and motivational uh, speakers over the years there, um, and I'm sure you love every single one of them. But uh, are there one or two that stand out over time? Um, I mean, you know, um, um, I'm always so bad with names, but. <laughs> <laughs> there are two. There are two. There are two. That, I mean, just two off the top of my head that stick out. Uh, so there's a woman named Anita Sangupta, who's actually. I mean, she's from the Northwest, but she's based now in Los Angeles. Um, I mean, she was work. She'd worked on the, the the Mars Curiosity rover. She built the parachute for that thing, and and so that was, that was during when she was with NASA in the Jet Propulsion Laboratory at JPL. Uh, and she's then she was uh, she was at Hyperloop for a while, and now she's been doing her own startups. And basically, she's trying to, to some extent, create the kind of an Uber-like model of for but for for personal flight. This idea of of effectively Uber-like small planes being able to taxi people around you know cities uh, as a as an alternative, and so. So she's great. There's another guy named Justin Sanchez, who is a professor at University of Florida, if I'm correct. But he then went to work for DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency or something. Well, and they 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 were the ones who created the internet, right? Um, back in I guess the 40s or whatever, uh, trying to create a communications protocol that could survive a nuclear war. And so, um, and listening to him talking about some cutting edge research about. Um, um, about the future of basically um, the 
your brain being able to directly control computers and about how far they've actually come was uh, was was shocking. It was shocking. He was very. He's obviously very good at present. They're both excellent presenters. Um, both operating, um, you know, at fairly, you know, advanced edges of, of technology and science. And so those two just stick out more or less, not necessarily they're the best, but they kind of, I think when you come to a conference like Thinking Digital, you're at least partially hoping to hear people working in that, in that space and on the, on the, on the, on the edge of certain areas like that, and then and be able to, to talk obviously very convincingly um, about it. Perfect. Um, you've obviously got, um, you know, a rich life outside of thinking digital. And um, can we go back in time a little bit? So um, again, we're creating the thinking digital for the North Face. It's it's tremendous uh, for the region. Um, but um, you know, you're not really from the Northeast yourself, are you? So um, you, you you are from the what, states. What gives I think, it away? What gives oh, it away? I, I, I suspect the audience has already worked that one out. So. Um, you know, brought, brought up in the States, um, educated at Princeton University. Um, mm -hmm. what, what brought you from Princeton to, to, to good old UK? Um, I mean, the short story, it's a long story, but the short story is basically is a woman. And so, um, you know, we, uh, we met by chance in New York through friends and just stayed in touch and then officially started dating at some point. And then, uh, so yeah, so that 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 brought me to London Business School for a semester, and um, at some point, you know, it was you know like some we had a conversation about well, what's you know what's the future look like here? <laughs> and I came home from that trip, and I got I I I got uh, I got told about a job in Oxford um, at, that became working for Blackwells um, to help set up their first their internet bookshop. And I was there for a couple of years. I did the same thing for a German publisher called Bertelsmann, um, setting up there in a bookshop. Uh, I then was at um, uh, an internet startup in London, uh, working online auctions. That then, would have been a, that sorry to interrupt. That would have been around that time, about the time when Amazon was just a, looking to be an online bookshop, wasn't it? So I when I came over in '97, yeah, Amazon. Um, had just started to become a thing um, in the U.S. certainly, and then obviously eventually they came over to the U.K. Um, eBay, I don't think it was or it was just entering the market at the time in Europe, and so it was all early days. And yeah, I mean, you know, um, you know, it was an exciting time. I you know lived through the bubble as well, and and and, and that first dot com dot com bubble bursting. Um, and then, you know, spent um, spent a couple of years after that um, at O2, and and that was where, you know, one of my best friends there was a, a Geordie fella, and he was the one who told me about this this thing happening at One Northeast, looking to set up these centers of excellence, mm -hmm. one of which became CodeWorks, and so I, in two thousand and two, I landed on Geordie Shore, as I like to joke. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then and then that was I did ten years of CodeWorks. Uh, in the middle of that, um, started a community over from the northwest because uh, from Liverpool, and um, I also like to joke I have the world's least sexy by coastal commute with Holton Newcastle, but um, uh, yeah, and and yeah, and so and that's been that's been life since since then. I I still live in 
Liverpool as well. Herb. Yeah, actually not. Believe it or not, I uh, Liverpool wasn't far west enough, so I went out to the Wirral. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I live on the Wirral now. It's only it's only a little bit further west, to be fair. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm 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 on Merseyside, and I've remained on Merseyside. So I'm still there. So yeah. But um, you've got you've obviously got a tune top rather than a Liverpool top in your, in your wardrobe. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, <laughs> of course, obviously. <laughs> yeah, of course, obviously. Yeah. Um, how did uh, lockdown affect everything that you're doing? Um, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've yeah. had we've had the odd four letter word in there before, so oh, you'll get a, yeah. you'll get away with it. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was. It was. Uh, it was all around horrible for me. So, um, I'm, I'm both the personal friend, lost a family member, uh, lost a family member just before lockdown, then lost one during lockdown, and then, uh, yeah, obviously, it's just really weird to not be able to do. I mean, I must be. I must be in in one of the worst places to be in the economy during a thing like COVID. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, doing and then you know people are talking to us about doing like you know zoom events and stuff like that which you know i think you know for certain events i think makes total sense and and um, i think a lot of them continue to do either hybrid or actual just full online events because it it, it suits what suits well what they do uh, but we are always about you know live in person in large-scale events which is literally the worst <laughs> business to be in during a pandemic yeah, and we, you know, to be fair, we were very fortunate. Obviously, we had uh, you know the furlough program and, and other UK government programs that that meant um, you know we never felt like oh god like you know we're we're right on the edge of death here. But I mean, obviously, it'd gone on for another you know at some point it wouldn't have meant you know uh, a death as I'm sure would have meant for for many other businesses as well. Um, so yeah, and now it's just probably just dealing with you know, the recovery of that market, you know, which is still in process, you know, and I'm sure you know from your clients who are affected in, in the sort of uh, leisure travel space that it's still, even when they're making money, it's 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 not easy money, <laughs> for sure, as, as they obviously, yeah, people have, um, it's not, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't call it the great resignation so much as I call it the great uh, re-examination, yeah. where mm-hmm. a lot of people have, have taken this time to, especially, you know, I mean, you know the working in in leisure uh, travel those are those are tough businesses to be in in general they were always tough uh and also just quite anti-social hours and then suddenly you you get used to a life where you don't have to work at midnight on a saturday yeah. and you know it's like actually you know i'm not sure if i wonder if i can return to that you know so yeah. anyways yeah so yeah so it's it, it's definitely been tough times but you know i mean fortunately um you know, the first nine months coming out of uh, COVID was 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 pretty hard for us. It was just super stressful. Partially that was in both venues and other partners that, that you know, I mean, they all went through tons of change. So we're yeah. dealing with new faces, new processes, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, and yeah, you know, so I, I feel fortunate that things have gone as well as they have. Yeah, I've kind of um, heard that elsewhere as well. So, you know, the venues are still there, the, the organisations are still there, but yeah, there's been a change of personnel and, and your relationships have disappeared and you're kind of having to build that again on top of go, go back and kind of rebuild um, rebuild the business and the events um, again as well. Um, so 
you know, outside of thinking digital, what 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 else is kind of occupying your time? Um, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much it. So no, sorry. I mean, it's basically we're doing we're doing we're doing four events a year, which is about I think the maximum we can really do. We we tried to be more ambitious before, but the problem is that you just you can't even appreciate the events you do because you're just running from one activity to the next. You know, the, the, the nature of what we do four is about, I mean, I'd even love to be able to go down to three, but that's another thing. And so there is, so thinking digital is obviously the flagship, um, TEDx Manchester is probably our largest annual event, which is, um, circa 2000. Um, we, I mean, we've been pre pandemic. We were up at 2,200 this year. We were down to about 1700. So, um, but that was the event took place in mid-March, so it was it was it was very close after the end of the restrictions, and and, and we knew a lot of people were just still very much in a wait and see mode. So hopefully we'll get up to um, um, we'll get up to historical numbers uh, by next year. Um, we have a new event that we started actually in November. I mean, actually, looking back, I can't believe we launched a new event in November, but we did uh, down in Durham. Uh, it was in conjunction with um, the Lumiere Festival, and it's called the Bright Ideas Gathering. And we ran a pilot in November, which was very well received. And so we've actually just um, initiated uh, a four-year partnership with Durham County Council to do the event annually. And uh, we'll be moving it into a bigger venue, and, uh, and that'll be, uh, it'll be taking place on Sunday, the 2nd of October. And then TEDx Newcastle returns again after a three-year break. Uh, that'll be on Saturday, the 12th of November, back at the Sage Gateshead in, in, in Sage One. So we're we're looking looking forward to that. And, and you know we've we've actually started ticketing on on the TEDx event, and that's gone extremely well. So um, I think we're now at something like 700 people after about two weeks. So um, uh, it's yeah, it's. I mean, it's obviously we're relieved, <laughs> just in the sense that it'd be nice to at least break even, if not make a little bit of uh, a bit of margin on top of that. So, um, and yeah, so I mean, that's it's basically, you know, that's you know, that's the thing that 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 we do is is we produce these what we sometimes call thought leadership events, uh, and we're doing four a year right now. It's good rhythm and. Um, yeah, but we may look at doing some different stuff next year. Uh, but you know, I mean, to some extent, you know, we're just trying to we're trying to get the machine working as it once did. And it, I'll I'll be honest, it's been painful at times. <laughs> but hopefully, between ourselves and our partners, you know, like getting things back to where they were um, is uh, is uh, is in the offing. Yeah. yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can well um, imagine. I think um, many people were probably like, like I say, a little bit cautious, even when lockdown rules were removed. Here, it's like, mm, do I really want to do that? Um, kind of thing. Yeah, so. yeah, of course. No, people are obviously on on mass and globally, mm -hmm. people are feeling their way back to both. Um, you know, both um, what they, what can they do, and 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 also, do they do they what do they want to do or you know how do they want to do it you know so there's these obviously continuing debates about i think various big i think google places like that are like you know really working hard to get people to come back to the office i know the bbc yeah. has been working 
trying to incentivize people with various goodies to get, you know, come on back to the office and all that jazz. And so, you know, we'll see where all that lands. Cool. Um, in your spare time then, Herb, when you're not doing creative, innovative, thought leadership type things, uh, what do you do? We, we, we tend to talk about paddleboarding at this time. Uh, in the events, that's not to say you have to be a paddleboarder. So is there anything else that occupies your spare time? Um, to be honest with you, I mean, um, my <laughs> in addition to um, taking a co-parent, my my daughter, and she's she's sixteen now, so we're starting to think about you know what what's next for her and trying to and and beyond just theoretically, it's all as you know, it's the all the things that you need to do, the tactical things you need to do in order to enable that path. Right? It's easy to say, oh, I want to go to uni, but you know. Um, and um so there's that um i um you know i used to speak to my mother maybe like once a month <laughs> i speak to her every day as her main kind of i suppose emotional support uh and uh and so that's 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 been a big change for me uh you know i go to the movies uh i you know, watch on netflix i used to play golf but that's that's also been a, that's also that's also not returned since since the the covid days uh, I used to love going to the gym, and then also I've, I've lost that routine. But I'm hoping, I'm it's I'm struggling to get that back. Um, and my, you guys may have heard about my infamous cold shower ice bath practice, and and so all that sort of stuff. Getting just frankly getting those routines back, I, I didn't realize actually how much I I missed, I missed, uh, you know, uh, I missed having them in my life. Yeah. Are you still are you still doing the ice baths? Herb, yeah, is, is yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done ice baths in 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 probably a year or so, but I still am basically on 100% cold showers. So yeah, um, that's the uh, that's the uh, you know that's that's the routine. So, yeah. Certainly on the day of recording, cold showers seem a good thing. It's, it's a bit warm out there. Isn't yeah, it? that's true. Today it's one of the few days where cold shower actually could appeal to more than the tiny percentage that would otherwise sure. <laughs> volunteer to get into one. But there is some science behind it though, isn't there? Yeah, well I was I was impressed to see the BBC actually give it some some major coverage on BBC One. They did a, they did a mini series with uh, the guy Wim Hof, the, the Dutch fellow that's popularized the practice. And I mean, you know, the science is uneven. Um and, well what I mean by that is that it all basically says it's good, but it's it's not deeply researched, um, you know. And so I'm just going off my anecdotes about what it's done for you know for me. Uh, conveniently, now it means that my you know my gas bill is is far lower than <laughs> the average person, uh, which is I guess today is good is is a is a, is a very good thing uh, for the unfortunate reasons that, that we're all aware of. Um, but yeah, you know so. Yeah, but no, I keep I keep doing it, and you know, hopefully, it's doing some positive things. At the very least, I'm saving a bit of money on my gas bill. Yeah. yeah. Well, one enough. one thing we found where because we live quite near the, the, the sea, um, myself and Dave live on the same street, and the sea's at the end of it. And during lockdown, the number of of individuals who were going called going swimming in, in the sea, no wetsuit, mm-hmm. North Sea, and mm-hmm. um. Uh, that was a, there was a big explosion in that, and I suppose the two things are li- linked in terms of the health benefits. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so my my uh, daughter's mum, 
she um, she's taken up during COVID, took him while, and and has kept it going. You know, it's it's yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, I think for most normal humans, the the social aspect of while swimming, because oftentimes you do do it in groups, um, is what keeps what keeps them going. Yeah. Um, whereas for me, I just see it as like the I mean the whole of things of you know going to the place and I just would rather just get in the shower since I have to shower anyway. I might as well just do it with cold water so. too right <laughs> yeah, john was telling me he was he was talking to some dolphins this morning nice nice yeah it's nice yeah, yeah it was good down there and um but yeah the the number of people who've who started swimming and still are swimming in uh in the northeast is uh it's it's fairly obvious you can see it um That's and great. i always joke i always joke on uh, eddie's being time mouth there's a bunch of um uh sort of men and women probably in their 80s but it looks like the scene out of the film cocoon don't know if you, uh, <laughs> if you remember that one <laughs> i do yeah yeah most of my t- most of our team at blue sky haven't even heard of it so they're like what you uh, what you talk, yeah. what you're talking about but it does look like that they're in, they're in good nick for their age <laughs> definitely john yeah. keeps asking me if i'm in that group by the way yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's good nice yeah. and how's things been for you guys you know um, i mean it, yeah, it's been uh, like 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 with everybody else. I think lockdown was 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 um, tough in that um, it it was relatively easy for us to you know lock the door and say go and work from home, everybody, because we were paperless and people could work remotely um, anyway. But we've had to you know we've had to kind of learn new communication management um, and leadership techniques, just 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 like everybody else um, mm. out there. And you know we've uh, we, we've learned by experience, and we're still continuing to learn. Um, as, as things go go on and as things open up you know we, we're still we're still kind of trying to find our feet i suppose in terms of um what we are as a business and um, that way we've recruited um remotely as well so um some of our team are not based in the northeast mm-hmm. um anymore we uh we, we we run from aberdeen to abingdon um now so we you know we're committed to to, to allowing people to work uh, remotely if they choose to do so and and that fits in with our you know flexible um fear as well um and yeah lockdown is um you know and, and the whole situation is you know it's brought it's brought problems for us but it's brought opportunities um as well and i, I think you know overall we're, we're continuing to step forward um and and that's what we plan and, and want to do yeah it was truck traumatic start and we were never more popular i think when uh you know the furlough schemes and mm. all of these things were coming mm. coming out of government and we were trying to get our heads heads around what was actually going on um but mm. i think th- through that we were able to add some real value to our, our clients which wasn't mm. just you know producing a set of accounts and and a tax return and and hopefully that'll stand us in good stead mm. going forward going forward mm. as well and the, t- the, t- the team as well it's interesting so we have recruited outside the northeast, but we're, we're encouraging people to to work the way they want to work now and where they want to work, and that I mm-hmm. think that's seen productivity um, and uh, across the team as well. That growth mindset that we talked about earlier uh, came in came into play massively. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're very 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 much encourage um, everybody to, to to work in that that mindset to have that growth growth mindset to you know mm. can you be a better version of yourself today than you were yesterday and can you be a better version tomorrow than you are um today 
I've, I've just I've just made a note actually uh, during the podcast that we need to buy some uh, TEDx Newcastle tickets and and get the team along to it so that they can uh, they can feel the power of what the day is all about as well. Uh, yeah, so we'll get them out. Yeah, there's a sale coming at you, Herb. Um, <laughs> so um, the, the clock's ticking. Um, John, I don't know if you've got any more questions before. Um, I haven't, Herb. It's uh, been a pleasure to talk to you yeah. for the last uh, hour hour or so. Uh, we're not quite up to an hour yet, but yes, yeah, great to reconnect after um, yeah a couple of years, and I'm sure we'll see more of each other. Yeah, um, Herb, do you have any uh, kind of last words of wisdom or, or recommendations for our, our audience? Um, I think the I mean, the only thing I would just add um, at the end in terms of um, it's a question I got asked recently um, at a at another event, uh, um, basically about what you know doing fifteen years of these thinking digital and tech exes and all that other jazz. You know what you know what what have we what what have I learned about it? And uh, latterly, and also but related is that you know if you think about it, like why is ted popular at all right it's not like it's, they didn't invent the lecture right <laughs> they didn't invent great speakers they even you know good keynotes right and but i think i think so you know like what i've taken away from all this is that um the reason that these talks do so well whether it be my talks or or, or, or other 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 conferences in, in, with similar formats is um when they're when they're effective that that the, they are able to tell a story or a narrative, however you want to say, and and that I think we're like in a global leadership like crisis, right? And I mean, you only need to look at what's happened most recently in the UK or I mean elsewhere, right? I mean, to some extent, like how did someone like Boris get? I mean, how did he survive in his? How did he get his job? And how did he survive in his job for so long after? so much stuff that went on it was almost comical it was beyond comical like you would write you could write a you know a farce and people were like that's just too far-fetched but it actually happened and then you know and then of course in the usa you know we had of course the whole trump phenomenon which which continues on it's not gone away right you know despite everything that he did and despite you know the, the kind of you know really in many ways horrific leadership that he provided uh but these guys, you have to give them credit where it's due. They know how to tell a story, whether it's get Brexit done, whether it's we're going to build a wall, you know, and I've said this many times, you know, make America great again, whatever, these simple narratives. Other, part of it is just that because, you know, I mean, whether you look at the Remain story, you know, which there was no story, I mean, uh, the people that are so-called the good guys and the good people, the good gals, you know, just, they can't help but to speak in... Someone was calling it today word soup, you know, where it's they, they kind of talk at you for anywhere from five to 50 minutes. <laughs> you don't feel like you've learned anything yeah. in that entire period of time other than um, anyways. And I just think that I think part of it is that, you know, someone telling like good narratives, it could be, again, about theoretical physics. There's a narrative of theoretical physics and why you should why something's happened there. It's really important. You should listen to it. You know, um, I I would just whether you're you're managing you know a, a small company or you're trying to run for become prime minister one day or whatever is uh, you know I please stop stop telling 
talking to us with just numbers, right? I mean, you, you guys do, do as well. We, obviously, all day long, you could be, you know, shooting on numbers, but, you know, you know the good power of a narrative on top of those numbers to talk about whether it's the company or what's why there's a problem or, you know, whatever it might be. And, yeah, it's just, it's weird about, and I think what it is is I think it, maybe it's a curse of overeducation where, you know, because obviously, you know, a lot of these people are, of course, A, well-educated, they're very accomplished, things like that. And, you know, education really values on facts, right? And so we just, we've kind of, you know, you guys have seen, you know, like presentations that are just bullet point after bullet point of various facts that are probably 100% totally true, but they don't add up to anything you can actually retain in your mind. And, and you know, um, so anyways, so... So that to, to, to that not to belabor the point, but I would anyone that's listening to this, my 15 years of this thing is, and then I've applied that to my own self because I mean, of course, you know, when I I've been presenting for much of my life, and and I can tell you that, and you know, 10, 15 years ago, like my presentation sucked. I mean, you know, and and it was really through applying a lot of the things that I saw other speakers doing that today, you know, I get regularly asked to do, you know lectures and people seem to really like them i could tell when they didn't like them before that's for sure <laughs> that was really obvious right uh whereas now people generally speaking listen to what i've got to say and you know and i think that's i mean that skill whether you you know whether you want to become just rich and wealthy or you just want to be slightly more successful in your thing or if you want to help out your community you know being able to convince people in in succinctly and easy to understand ways is such an important skill. Again, whether you're whether you're trying to get funding for your next you know uh, 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 a particle accelerator, or you you know you're trying to sell someone you know I don't know a candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably you don't need that for a candy bar, but you know. So yeah, and uh, and yeah, and I think that's I think that's why we face such a crisis in the industry today. We somehow have lost the ability to communicate well and effectively, you know. And uh, yeah, so there you go. That, that's that, yeah, that totally resonates. So yeah, the, the 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 facts are the data, but yeah, the story is that the meaning behind the data is is, is the key thing. Um, Herb, that's absolutely brilliant. Love to have you uh, as a guest on here. Um, We'll certainly see you at um, TEDx Newcastle, but yeah. I'm sure we'll speak to you well before that anyway. Hopefully, yeah. Thank you All so right. much for the invite. Yeah, no, thank you very much. See you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.